it, it, it's gin, let's be classy. It good is. evening, good listeners. Good evening. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of above 18 years old. <laughs> something yeah, like that. Something like that, yeah. Uh, are you still recording? Oh, yeah. I got that. You, you got that. That's, I nailed it. That, that's terrific. That's, that's our good. intro, guys. We're a good drop. Cheers. Cheers. Well, rum was last time. Oh, yeah. You got me. Yeah. <laughs> Gin. Classy, classy, classy. Um, we, yeah. Tonight we're drinking Bombay Sapphire as a gin and tonic. Yes. That is our good drop because it's uh, a very pleasant gin, very reasonably priced mm. as well, usually around the $40 mark. And tonic, gin and tonic, because... As you'll find out later, why? Yes, traditionally consumed with tonic water. So uh, let's go back, way back to the 17th century for a bit of gin history. Gistery? Ginstery? Ginstery. So anyway, the first <laughs> confirmed production of gin was in the early 17th century in Holland. Uh, though claims have been made that it was produced prior to that in Italy, but that's not actually been confirmed. So uh, in Holland, it was originally produced as a medicine and sold in chemists to treat stomach complaints, gout, and gallstones. And then to make it more palatable, the Dutch started to flavor it with juniper, which had medicinal properties of its own. I'm not entirely sure how juniper made it more palatable. Well, juniper berries, and of course now, from some, ten botanicals. Ten? Ten, Ten or more? Ten or more botanicals, yes. To, to flavour it. But, but juniper um, as the main one. But juniper initially is, is the main the main flavour. And uh, it uh, eventually made its way to England after British troops who had been given Dutch courage to keep them warm during the 13 years war developed a liking for it and took it home with them. Mm. Now, while gin was actually already available in British chemists at that time... It was pretty awful. It, it was. Pretty awful. And uh, the amount that it was produced increased because the popularity was increased. People were drinking it for something other than as a medicine. Yeah, well, wait. Like, I think that's how most alcohol has started so far. That it's like absence with last week. Yeah. It was a medicine initially. And, you know, it became so popular that we everyone decided... We should just drink it like a drink. Yes, indeed. And uh, so onward it went, increasing in popularity in Britain, with um, the quality often being quite low because they were producing so much of it. And, it's super uh, questionable. It's basically swill at this point in time. Yeah, and so the the issue with the quality was resolved when King Charles I formed the Worshipful Company of Distillers, where um, members of that company had the sole right to distill spirits in London and Westminster and up to 21 miles beyond those areas. Yeah, kind of like uh, vodka and Russia, how 
if you listen to our vodka episode, it, uh, the Russian government has the monopoly on vodka production. Yes, and yeah, so they, they decided that by regulating the industry, they could add more quality control. Mm. It worked, it, and now we have fantastic qualities quality gin. Mm. Well, I mean, the, the, the story goes on because it only worked for a little while. What? Oh, indeed, yes, because in 1689, King William III made a series of statutes actively encouraging the distillation of English spirits, which meant that anyone could distill spirits simply by putting up a public notice and then waiting 10 days. And that resulted in the volume of gin being produced and sold quickly exceeding that of beer and ale at at that time. Yeah, Yeah. that doesn't surprise me. No, and... uh, Similar pattern to mm, everything, all the other spirits. Yeah, yeah. Like, something will happen and then our favourite spirit of the week becomes like the biggest production thing for like the next 20 30 years. Yeah, exactly. They huh. the popularity sort of ebbs and flows, but gin was something they seemed to fight in Britain for a long time because in 1729 an excise license of 20 pounds and a 2 shilling per gallon duty as well as a retailer's license were introduced in an attempt to curb the increasing popularity. What's twenty pounds in today's money? That's got to be like twenty thousand or something. Mm, like well, that. Tw- twenty pounds in in seventeen twenty nine. Mm. Yeah, that's that's got to be a, a lot of money by today. Hundreds at least, at least, at least. I I would say it's in the tens of thousands. Yeah, but uh, by seventeen thirty, London actually had over seven thousand shops that sold only spirits. And uh, that led to gin being so cheap and readily available that drunkenness of the common people, as was the term that they used, was considered to be universal. (laughs) So in September of 1736, the Gin Act was introduced. That's where they put up the excise to 50 pounds. To 50 pounds, and they raised the duty to one pound per gallon. And at the same time, they set a minimum purchasable quantity for retailers... Two of gallons. two gallons. Yeah. Yeah. Which, people didn't like that at all. Yeah, no. It, it they made rioted. Gin, yeah. It was prohibitively expensive, and yeah, they rioted. They rioted. And, Guys, there was a gin riot. Yep. And the law was widely ignored. With uh, in, in the following six years after it was added, only two distilleries ever paid to take out licenses, <laughs> but gin production increased by almost 50% during that time. Giving uh, the big two fingers to the government in that... In that sense? Yes, indeed. And so the act was repealed in 1742 after they realised that... It was widely useless. It was, yeah, completely useless. And a new policy of reasonably high prices, reasonable excise duties, and uh, licensed retailers under the supervision of magistrates was drafted with the assistance of distillers. Hmm. And that was then enacted, and that's basically still in place today. In England, and that... And we have a similar form of tax in Australia as well. Like, we've got a alcohol licence for premises that want to sell booze, and there's a, a tax on alcohol by volume. Yeah, and, uh, and that led to higher quality gin, led to more expensive gin, and uh, began its ascent to high society. Mm. 
which leads us to now where gin isn't just drunk by everybody and it's not mixed with things like sulfuric acid which it was <laughs> back in uh, in the day it's unbelievable that people still want to drink it when things are mixed with like sulfuric acid or copper salts or uh what was the other thing um i forget but yeah, like the sheer amount of crap that gets mixed in with all these all these alcohols that people drink, and yeah. yet people still think these drinks are fine. Mm, of course, all, all of this stuff happened, you know, in the seventeenth and eighteenth centuries. Mm. True, when very true. People didn't really question and probably weren't educated enough to know what it was anyway. No, I suppose back then no one knew what sulfuric acid was. Yeah, it was just a useful additive to put into something, I suppose. Mm. Well, I know sulfur is mixed with grapes to preserve them longer. Mm. So, I suppose, why not? Yeah, well, considering how gin is made, it it, it makes sense because it is mostly plant extracts and Mm. alcohol. Yeah. Very similar to vodka. Yes. Or uh, whiskey. Indeed. Both at the same time, actually. Yes. So, do do you want to now uh, go into the uh, production methodology for for gin? Oh, I'd love to. Uh, so the there's a few ways of making gin. There's the horrible method, which is called compound gin, where you get your uh, spirits and then you add essences and flavors to it, and then call it gin. Yeah, so much much like the thing that is called absinthe but can't be called absinthe in Sweden. Or like vodka but can't be called vodka. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's basically a gin cordial made with alcohol. Um, and then you've got pot distilled gin, which is very much like whiskey in both colour and flavour. Well, not very much. It's like a sibling sibling to gin. Sibling to whiskey. Um, you, you get your pot still. You make it the same way. You put all the mash in your still. Uh, boil it away. Collect the collect the alcohol and Bob's your uncle. Uh, and then you've got uh, column distilled gin, which is what most people are drinking today. It's uh, You first make your high-proof alcohol with the uh, like grain or um you know grape alcohol or beets or uh sugarcane whatever you feel like really and then you then you uh distill it for a second time but what you do is you put it in, back into a pot still and uh, put in the top of the still, you put a gin basket full of your botanicals, your herbs, your spices, your plants, not animals. Yes, not not animals, no. And um, and the hot alcohol vapors pass through the basket, unlocking all the flavors and creating a lighter, more complex flavor than your traditional pot distilled straight pot distilled gin yes and importantly different methods are used for making different kinds of gin yes the first method is called uh holland 
Holland gin or Geneva gin. Uh, your column distilled gins are generally um, labelled as distilled gin or London dry gin. Yes, and uh, Bombay Sapphire is in fact a London dry gin. Mm, good stuff. Mm, it is, and uh, so let's let's talk about Bombay Sapphire briefly because uh, it was first launched in uh, in 1987 by uh, by IDV. No, wait, 19, 1987? 1987, Yes, that's really recent. Yeah, yeah, by uh, by a company called IDV, and in 1997 the brand was sold to Bacardi. <laughs> of course. So ten ten uh, ten years. It was on the market, and then Bacardi went, I'll have that, yeah. <laughs> and, and they bought it. They're onto something. Yeah, and uh, apparently the actual, the name Bombay Sapphire originates from Jin's popularity in India during their British Raj period, and the, uh, and the sapphire mentioned in the name is actually the Star of Bombay, a 182-carat sapphire that's uh, currently on display in the Smithsonian Institution. Why does the U.S. have an Indian sapphire? That's a good question. <laughs> That's for another podcast. Yes, indeed. And uh, so the Bombay Sapphire are actually kind enough to list all 10 botanicals that they use on mm. uh, on their website. So if you'd like to make your own, listen in. Listen in, yes, because they use juniper berries. Really? Green... Really? Mm. Juniper oh, yeah, berries? Juniper berries, yes. No. You wouldn't have thought it. No. <laughs> and uh, grains of paradise, lemon peel, kubeb berries... Coriander, angelica root, cassia bark, almonds, iris root, and licorice. Now, I, I don't really uh, taste that anise flavor from the licorice. So it must be quite a light flavor. It must be very, very light. But I suppose that there are ten, ten, ten different mm. uh, extracts in there to uh, to add to the flavor. So I yeah. suppose that, that uh, explains it. And it's made the column distilled method... So it's going to be passed through. The vapors are going to be passed through the uh, alcohol. Sorry, through the basket of botanicals of plants. Yes. So they're going to be more subtle. Hmm. And uh, speaking of subtlety, our our odd drop, which <laughs> less subtle. Yeah, which is um, well, which is itself though quite a compared to some of our previous odd drop it's names. Very very tame. Guys. It is very very tame. Quite subtle. In fact, <laughs> it's. Uh, it's called Strange Donkey London Dry Gin. Mm. And uh, we don't know much about Strange Donkey, except that it exists. And you can can you buy it in Australia? Oh, I, I believe you can buy Strange Donkey in Australia, yes. Oh, good. But uh, our, our top drop is actually made in Australia. It is 100% Australian. Yep, including all Australian botanicals and... Uh, Australian water. And distilled with Australian water. Australian yep. labour. Australian labor, yes, it is the uh, the Ironbark three one three dry gin, and it uh, was actually a category winner in uh, best traditional style at the World Gin Awards in two thousand seventeen. Now, because they're a small batch distilled gin, you can't you, get it at Dan Murphy's. You can't get it at Dan Murphy's. You can, however, buy direct from their website. Hmm. And it's quite reasonably priced too. Mm, it, for it a, is for our top drop. For a top drop, for the, something that's won awards like the, yeah. this, gin itself won that award. But the distillery <laughs> has actually won uh, six or seven awards as well mm. for for this and other things. All right, hit me. What's the what's the damage on this bottle? Uh, so it's um, that was about eighty dollars. That's 
really good. Mm. Uh, most of our top drops are a hundred dollars plus. Yeah, so quite quite reasonable for mm. for an award winner and a, a one that recently won as well. Oh, awesome! I mean, it was this year. They they won best traditional style this year at the World Junior Awards. Traditional style. Mm. There's like seven. No, I'm kidding. Three traditional, quote unquote, traditional style gins. So, which one is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. What? You don't know what it is? No, nah, it doesn't no. matter. Um, but um, but yeah, the the actual distillery it came from also won uh, best distillery in 2015 at uh, a different competition that's name escapes me at the moment. Mm. But clearly, they're they're doing good things. Yeah, I think we're going to have to add that to our list. Of uh, mm. bottles to buy. Well, yes, but bottles to buy and uh, distilleries to visit. It's in Australia. Mm. We can go there. Of course. So that's on our list with uh, Flicker Bean and uh, the Bundy Rum Distillery. Yes, indeed. Always um, worth a visit. What was the other one you had on our list the other week? Oh, um... It was, it was a whiskey, I think. No, not a whiskey. A uh, vodka. Oh, what was it? What vodka was that? It was a vodka that was hard to come by, wasn't it? I think so. While he's looking that up, uh, I'm going to talk about some gin cocktails. Because the uh, the gin tonic used to be a uh, malaria remedy, actually. Uh, what, they, what they did was collect the bark from the chinchona tree, or fever tree, uh, because it contains quinine, which, for a bit of trivia, that glows under black lights, under a UV light. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, they people in the British colonies in India would uh, imbibe this bark, but it was really, really bitter. So to make it more palatable, they mixed it with sugar, lime, ice, and gin. And... There was the gin and tonic born. Right. Humble beginnings, man. Yes, indeed. And uh, I believe it was porn vodka that we wanted to try. Porn vodka. That's yes. It. Really hard to find. Really nice looking bottle, though. It looks yeah. like a bottle of lube. Uh, <laughs> yeah, incredible looking bottle. Um, and then our next favourite is the martini. Some people make it with vodka. I like to say that they're wrong. It is traditionally made with with gin, gin, mm. gin and vermouth, dry yes. vermouth specifically. Uh, it was first described as the elixir of quietude by, uh, damn it, the author that I forget. Um, it's it's among the first gin cocktails to be drunk or made purely for pleasure and aesthetic reasons. The uh, Basically to signal the end of the workday and uh, the start of the evening festivities. And certainly whenever you, you... You can't drink a martini in a proper martini glass without feeling classy and relaxed. Mm. Or feeling a little like James Bond. Yes. Who likes it shaken, not stirred. Absolutely. That's exactly <laughs> how it should be consumed. Where uh, we may be James Bond fans. <laughs> mm. A little bit, but it's not because of the martinis. 
No, it's because of the uh, the spies. Yes. The blowing up of various vehicles. Mm. And the many, many Aston Martins that he's mm. driven throughout the series. There's a Aston Martin that I used to see driving around Brisbane. It, had, it was like immaculate, not a scratch on it. And its number plate was balls. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah. It's like, maybe you need them to drive that car. Mm. Who knows? Perhaps, who knows? Who, who knows? knows? I mean, it's, it's British, so I'd have, I'd have thought it would be rather refined. It, it should and... be bollocks, not balls. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh. Right. Now, um... When, when did you first have gin? Oh, Gosh, I don't even think I could pinpoint it. I, I imagine I was somewhere and somebody offered me a gin and tonic. Yeah. Because I, I don't recall ever ordering one. Yeah, well, mm. my, my drink of choice when I'm out is always whiskey. Yeah, same. Or uh, a spiced rum. Yeah. I usually get that. Yeah, and, unless it's like a hot summer's day and I'm getting a beer. Mm-hmm. Or, or something. So I'm I'm guessing I'd have been offered gin by somebody else, and I'd have said, "Well, yes, okay, it's 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 a cool beverage. I'll I'll partake." Makes a classy beverage. A classy beverage. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it was would have been many years ago now. I'm sure because yeah. if it were more recent, I'd be able to pinpoint when it was. Man, the first time I had gin it was in a martini. My dad loves his martinis, and I thought, "Oh yeah, I'll give it a go." I was like. 16 or 17 at the time and I had a sip and nearly spat it out because it just tasted like the smell of varnish just awful because uh, you know when you're 17 you're not used to the taste of it you haven't acquired the taste for alcohol at that point like you're all most of the alcoholic beverages you taste tastes like crap mm. really when, yeah. you, when you really think about it. Yes, and you, you, you know, now that you mention, now that you mention it, I've I've finally recalled when I probably would have first had gin, and it would have been in a martini. Yeah. Back when I was doing my, uh, back when I did a bar course, in uh, in two, I think it was two thousand two or two thousand three. I, I did a bar course, and as you part of that, I, I learned to make martinis, of course, among huh. you know, among many other. Drinks so, that I learned how to make. So you've got your RSA. I did have. <laughs> oh, it, it expires. Yeah, they expire. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you have to you have to renew them. I, I believe. Oh wow. Mm. And uh, so I, I had one once upon a time. And so, so the man that works in IT used to have a bartending license. Used to have a bartending license. Yes. <laughs> How yeah, strange. So I've, I've done many things. I didn't pick you for a bartender. Oh well, you know, I'm not the wife down the bar. Listen to your troubles, type bartender. You know. No, you're more like wipe down the bar, ignore your troubles. <laughs> well, I encourage you to you know buy another cocktail. Mm. Mm. Cause mixing cocktails is fun. It is. It is. I'm. I I'm pretty simple with my cocktails. As if you can mix them in a single glass without too much effort, I'm all gold. Yes, I mean because I've got a full cocktail shaker and everything at home. I've got the whole kit. Yeah, I don't have the room for that. And yeah. it's 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 the best way to make a martini. You want to use a cocktail mm. shaker. Yeah, because you need it chilled. Mm. I suppose. So I suppose some people like them a little more watered down. Um, 
but if you want to want the most flavor out of your out of your drink shaken is probably the way to go yeah shaken with ice in mm. the shaker then pour it out straight into the martini glass add a little bit of mint maybe an olive mm. <laughs> perfect yeah that's the probably the most iconic cla- quote unquote classy drink around yeah oh, w- without a doubt mm. yes the, the martini with the olive in it or uh, maybe a champagne flute with uh, with some sparkling in it. Yeah, though if uh, if you go back to uh, say the golden days of cinema, say the nineteen thirties, nineteen forties. That's what I'm thinking. When when they used the champagne sauces. Oh yeah, the far bo- more balls. heavily. Yeah, far more heavily than the champagne flutes, which mm. only came in. Really, I'd say in the last. 30 or so years. Yeah, I think they're maybe even 20 years. Mm. Well, we've uh, kind of digressed slightly from Jen. So yeah, let's, yeah. Uh, let's pop back a little bit of a uh, little bit of trivia. We've we've missed it this year, but prepare for next year, ladies and gents, because uh, the second Saturday in June is World Gin Day. Has been since 2009. I wonder if they picked it because of June's similar sound to Juniper. Mm, potentially. In, uh, but why the second Saturday? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows indeed? They probably picked it just to not clash with other uh, events. Yeah, there's undoubtedly many things that happen. And this is a world thing. It's World mm. Gin Day. International. Yes, international. No, no, World Gin Day. That's, that's literally what it's called. World, oh, Gin, world Day. Gin Day. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It's an international thing. Yes, it's an international thing, but it's literally called World, World Gin Day. Day. We'll uh, we'll mention it again when we come up to June. Yes, we'll, we'll remind you all that we'll give, you should be drinking gin on the second Saturday of June. We'll, we'll give in, a gin uh, refresher. In 2018. Yeah. Hmm. So this is this uh, gin and tonic's gone down really nicely. It it has. It's, it's, it's a it's a far cry from the malaria tonic. That they used to make in the eighteenth mm. century, nineteenth yes, century. It's been quite sweet. I'm definitely, I definitely taste the juniper, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm, I'm not sure that I taste all ten botanicals. I mean, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the coriander. Yeah, okay, the, the lemon peel definitely. I mean, we, we added lemon, so I'm going to a little taste citrusy. That. Yeah, yeah, and um, the, the, the grains of paradise. Okay, sort of. I'm, the, not, I'm not entirely sure what they taste like. No, I'm gonna guess the a little bitter, perhaps. Maybe. I, it, it's a grain, right? So that's mm. that's what I would what I would expect. But um, definitely didn't taste the licorice mm. or the. Uh, I don't know, maybe a hint of almond. I think you you need to drink slowly and run it around in your mouth to really pick mm. up all ten botanicals. It's it's Be- like a Where's Waldo challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could be. Uh, gin, while I remember it, is one of those colloquially known drinks for making people sad. Oh. Just like rum makes people angry, supposedly. Allegedly, yeah. Allegedly. Gin, gin makes people cry. It's, uh, maybe not the current generation, but I know a couple of previous generations, um, 
most of my knowledge comes from dad. <laughs> right. Shout out to my father. Um, he he would say that he would say don't give girls gin because it makes them cry. Which mm. you know, it's alcohol. It's basically the same thing, just with flavorings added. Yeah. So I don't see how you know you're different. Um, <sighs> you different herbs and spices could create that much uh that much difference in reaction to it yeah i think as we've said when we've mentioned this sort of thing in previous episodes it's more about a stigma that's created and potentially because i think when when gin became a classy drink it became a classy man's drink mm. so that's why james bond drinks it yeah and that's potentially why it could have been spread in days gone by that it'll make women cry because mm. they shouldn't be drinking it. Only a man can handle gin. Oh, you can't talk like that now. No, you can't that's, talk like that's that That's inappropriate, now mate. That's, that, that is. You, you can't say that these days. But, but you know, in the, in the 30s, 350s, when, when you could say that, when a man would get home from work and his woman would be waiting with a martini, because he's had a hard day and she'd only been cleaning the house. But we, we know now, of course, that cleaning the house is a hard day. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Like, shout out to all the stay-at-home... Mums and dads. Mums and, and dads. Whoever, and yeah. people that yeah. choose to take care of the household. That's a tough job. You need a lot more thanks than you get. Yes, indeed. And you definitely deserve a nice, refreshing beverage at the end of your day. Have a gin and tonic. Mm. <laughs> That'll relax you. All right. For our uh, gin news. <laughs> gin distilled in a bedroom is now being stocked at Selfridges in Birmingham. So I think Selfridges is uh, probably like a quickie mart or a 7-Eleven or something. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. I've, I honestly have no idea. This is from a... Uh, from the birminghammail.co.uk. So, Litchfield made fifth Spire Gin, also won gold medal. Gold medal. Gold me- I've had too much gin. Gold medal in the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. Ha- so, handmade in a Litchfield bedroom. Wow. Some guy, some, yeah, some guy in his own house shout out yeah set up stills set up his stills but why a bedroom why not make it in a kitchen or something well possibly it was the biggest room i mean (laughs) some of those places in the uk are quite small suppose but you think there'd be more space in the kitchen than your bedroom Mm, you would but i guess it would keep the would keep the bedroom warm too true very true I'm I'm a bit worried about the smell though. Yeah, but if you're running a still, you don't really want to run a heater. <laughs> you know, so that that makes sense to to run that in the bedroom. Kill two beds with one and, stone. Um, he'd he'd sleep well at nights, I imagine, with uh, with the fumes. Mm, yeah, that worries me a little. Best friends Tom Lindsay and Rory McCarroll registered the business in late 2015, and after a few months or after a few months of making gin as a hobby and set up one of the 
of the UK's smallest micro distilleries in a bedroom in Tom Litchfield's home, eventually launching their gin in November last year. Hmm. Well, there we go. What's it called? Yeah. It's called Fifth Spire Gin. Right, so if you encounter Fifth Spire Gin, uh, do give it a try and let us know what you think of it. Yeah, send us a... Uh, send us an email at... To, well, not at... Send us an email to agooddrop at gmail.com. Yeah, or uh, message us on uh, A Good Drop Podcast on Facebook. And, you know, better yet, check out our website. Hit the subscribe button on iTunes. Yeah, and uh, as always, tell other people about us and that we're largely entertaining and they should give us a fair go. We're, come on, we're hilarious. Yes, very, very true. Hilarious and informative. Hilarious and informative. Yeah. And uh, that's... So that wraps, wraps us up. Oh, one more thing. How many bottle caps do you rate this gin? Oh, yes. Bombay Sapphire. Dry gin. Bombay Sapphire Dry Gin. I, I would rate it uh, seven bottle caps, I think. Seven? I'd give it a eight. Eight out of ten. It's it's really nice for the price. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yes. yes. And, you know, it's owned by Bacardi, so it has to be pretty good. Yeah, but Bacardi only buys the, the best brands. Quote-unquote best. Mm, yeah, <laughs> quote-unquote. So, that's it. That wraps us up. Until next time... Cheers. Cheers.